I was just really in a dark place and I had to make some choices. And honestly, this is never easy to say out loud. And I never say this easily. It was a place that I journaled about, you know, would it be easier if I were not here? Welcome to The Ziegler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and today we are back with round two with Carrie Wilkerson, our esteemed guest in show 519 right before this one. Today, we're walking through the seven spokes of the Ziegler Wheel of Life with her and getting a behind-the-scenes glimpse at her personal daily habits for success. Is she just Wonder Woman incarnate? Well, as you will have heard in show 519, she does dig Wonder Woman, but no, she's not. She had no leg up more than you or me. She didn't have a silver spoon in her mouth. She did have desire, and she did buckle down and do the work And she really, truly wants to help you and me do the same, go from aspiration to achievement. But it comes down to daily habits. That was Zig's favorite thing. And some highlights of this show that you're about to hear is at 29 years old, she was 5'2 and weighed 266 pounds. Today, she's 45 and is 150 pounds lighter. She believes her brain is her biggest asset and she eats to feed her brain. She guards her sleep, especially before a speaking engagement. Financially, she believes that upgrading is a disease we need to stop in our culture. She thinks multitasking is a myth, and her personal vice is musicals. You're going to enjoy this show. Today's show is brought to you in part by these sponsors. Okay, folks, well, here we go with Carrie Wilkerson and her daily habits for success. All right, Carrie, we just had an incredible interview going over some profound topics. Folks, go back and listen to the previous show to catch that. And we hit on some specific things. You talked about habits, specifically those daily habits. So now we're going to go behind the scenes with you, which I know you're very happy and comfortable to do, and look at your daily habits on the Ziegler Wheel of Life. And number one that we always start off with is physical. Now I know you have some, I want you to share your daily habits today, but I do want to ask you a little bit. I I alluded to this in the last show to go a little bit, give us a little bit of the story of you and your own journey of losing, well, half yourself. More than half myself now. Yeah. I've exceeded more than half myself now. Um, so I always, uh, grappled with my weight a little as a kid. Um, probably right when I hit puberty, I just became a little chunky. I, I fought it. A little, I was a little curvier than the other girls in high school, but nothing crazy. I put on the same freshman 15 or 20, you know, that we hear about all the time. And then when I got married, it was like pulling a cord on the life raft, right? So combination of hormones and stress and life changes and really just being in charge of my own eating um, was a problem. So, um, but then by then a pattern of yo-yo dieting also was self-destructive. So you lose 15 and gain 30 and that's just how it works. And then your body changes shape. So Long story short is I found myself at 29 years old at 266 pounds and I am five foot two. <laughs> the other day, somebody said to me, wow, that's a lot of weight for five foot two. I said, 266 pounds is a lot of weight for seven foot two. You know, come on. That's, I still wouldn't be in good shape at seven foot two. Uh, it's just a lot of weight. And I always thought I was medium to large boned, right? Because that's what we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. But my doctor told me recently, you have the tiniest frame of any patient I've ever had. Like I'm at the point now that I have to have bracelets custom made because I, I have a little bird frame is what my teenager says. So I have small bones, but who knew? Nobody ever knew. Um, so that uh, I had had enough. And when I hit 266 pounds, I decided to make some choices. 
I was at a low point, obviously depressed. Who's not depressed when they weigh 266 pounds, maybe a linebacker, but, um, there, my son had been diagnosed with some special needs. My husband was traveling quite a lot. My parents had just relocated to the mission field and had just left. And, um, and because of some extreme hormonal imbalances, because of my weight, like weight and hormones go so much hand in hand. Um, I was just really in a dark place and I had to make some choices. And honestly, this is never easy to say out loud. And I never say this easily. It was a place that I journaled about, you know, would it be easier if I were not here? Would everybody be better off if I were not here? So now let me preface that by saying I am a chicken. I, I couldn't think of a way to harm myself without it hurting or without, you know, being afraid that I would mess up like I had everything else. That's how your brain messes with you. And they didn't want to be a vegetable forever or whatever. But here's what really kept me centered. My older two children are adopted siblings. And we stood before a judge in 1998. And he said, these children have already lost. Do you promise to do everything in your to be there for them for always? Do you? And in those moments of despair and darkness, and, and those are big words. And anybody that's ever been in a pit or dealt with depression, it's not sadness, y'all. Depression is not sadness. It's it's dark. It's it's despondency. It's a big it's a big place. And when I was in that place, I remembered that. And so we could say, maybe the Lord just brought that to my mind, that I made a promise that my kids would not voluntarily leave me. So I made a choice to stay. And I said, if I'm staying, I'm going to have to make some changes. I was in a very, very big position of debt at that point. I had successfully managed a business into a financially precarious place. How's that? I had made a series of bad decisions. And, um, I was very, very overweight. My health was not good. And I just decided to change things a little bit at a time. And so the first change I made was, okay, I'm going to cut diet. I mean, that was my first change. And I didn't say, oh, I'm going to drop 20 pounds this week. At that point, I don't even, I know I weighed at the doctor's office, but I don't think I even had a scale at the house at that point. I wasn't obsessed with the numbers. I really was making changes. So I started making little changes. I wasn't in a big hurry because I didn't get there in a big hurry. So I started making some little changes. Now we can fast forward to age 45, which is today. And so that's what, 16 years later. And I am a hundred and almost 150 pounds lighter. And I'm at a healthy weight. I'm at a healthy body weight. I am aging backwards in so many ways. I reversed any, you know, most of what could have been pre-diabetes. My family does deal with diabetes and hypertension and heart problems. My grandmother had her first heart attacks at my age. My mother had her first heart episodes at my age. And, um, and I've reversed all that in my own physicality right now. I still deal with a couple of things that are hormonally related that I'm fighting, but let's be honest, I'm 45. That's just going to happen no matter what kind of shape you're in. So um, that being said, I'm very self-aware now and it's been a battle. So if you say, how long did it take you to lose that weight? Well, you know, 19 years, give or take, uh, 16 years, give or take. It's been an everyday process and it's something I have to think of every day when I wake up and it's because I changed my everyday routine. 
Thank you for sharing that. I do want to ask on that because we just had lunch together and we talked a lot about the keto diet. So some of the, just the basic daily stuff that you do now that you employ for your physical health and well-being, whether it's diet or nutrition or whatever it is so that Carrie is well physically, mind and body. Yeah. And I've done everything. I've tried everything. And I always hate to give people a prescription right. because they dismiss it, you know, because they've tried it or know somebody that has, or it wouldn't work for them. And I, I would never say, oh, this would absolutely work for you. Some people do really well vegan. Some people yeah. do really well vegetarian. I'm from Texas. I really like meat. So um, what I have found with my blood type and with the way my body responds is I do really well on a low carbohydrate diet. And I knew that because I had experimented with Atkins, you know, way back in the day. So I reverted to what I thought would help with my insulin resistance and, um, and just being aware of what were some trigger things for me, things that made me seem hungrier. And those seemed to be things like bread and potatoes, things I couldn't stop eating, things that made me want more of them, things like mac and cheese or mashed potatoes, you know, trigger foods, I think is, is kind of how I label those now. But really it was small things like stopping with packaged things, starting to measure things because I did not have a good sense of portion control, you know, water only for a long time. Now I drink more than water. Now I drink green tea. I drink coffee. I drink, you know, different things, but, uh, focusing mostly on water. I do not drink sodas. I do not drink artificial sweeteners. I switch to stevia only. I only use a herbal sweetener if I use it. Um, those kind of things are in my daily habit, but yeah, when I stall, or when I get stuck, or when I really want to up my mental clarity, I, I go keto, which means I add fat to my low-carb diet. I lower my protein a little, and I up my fat, and I have more avocado and more coconut oil, more cream cheese, more bacon, whatever that looks like. Um, don't send us hate mail. My heart numbers are great. My cholesterol is beautiful. Um, my skin is in amazing shape. So um, that's, that's what I personally do. And that's even traveling. So a lot of people say, oh, it's so hard to eat right on the road. Nope. That's an excuse you're making. It's really actually easier than ever to eat better on the road. We can take things with us, packaged nut butter. We can take almonds with us. We can take fruit with us. You can go to Starbucks and get a spinach wrap and scrape it off the tortilla if you want to drink green tea with it. I mean, there are options and there are ways to do it. It's a matter of retraining your brain and retraining habits. I just like that started by stopping Diet Coke, a simple, easy thing to do, folks. So number two, and we know, I think we started the last show off with this, last interview off with, it all comes down to family and relationships. So number two spoke is family. What are your habits for your family's strength and well-being? We're a super tight little family. There are six of us. So I guess we're not a little family. We're not as big as you guys. You are a mega family, but um you know, our family, I consider them shareholders. You know, that's something that I teach a lot. That's something I write about. And I really believe that my business is not my business. My business is my family's business. They benefit or don't benefit from it. There's an ROI or there's not an ROI. Time, uh, my, one of my mentors, Pam Shaw, has said to me for 20-something years, time invested in one area is time taken away from another. So if I'm investing time in a business or at the gym, or meal prep. It's time away from my family. So I either need to involve them, incorporate them, or sure as heck make sure it benefits them, right? So uh, they're shareholders. We have hard conversations about expectations for the family, for the business. Uh, before I start something new like a book or 
um, a travel plan or a contract that I accept, I discuss it with my kids and my husband. And I say, this is what it looks like for the family. These are the pros. These are the cons. This is how it affects you. What do we think? Hmm. Well, how are we on board with this? What do we, and then we pray about it together. You know, we have um, expectations of worship together and praying about hard things together. We have expectations about celebrating good things together. And what I mean is this, we always go for the win before we talk about the wine. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean the grape juice kind of wine. I mean, in the afternoon when I pick them up from school or at night around the dinner table, tell me something good about today. Mm-hmm. Tell me something good. Let's celebrate something. Oh, but so-and-so, uh-uh, nope, we're not doing that yet. Let's focus on good. So we talked about gratitude being the catalyst for everything in our last interview. That's that. You can shift their state, shift their heart, shift their mindset if you say, but first, tell me something good you did today. Tell me something that made you happy today. Um, You know, my clients will tell you, we start every accountability session with, let's talk about your wins for the week. What wins did we have this week? I didn't really have a win this week. Nope, not true. Not true. There was something good about this week. There's something good that happened this week. There's something good you made happen this week. There's somebody you impacted this week. So that as a family, we do those kind of things. We act, we give each other room to grieve. We don't dismiss each other's problems because they're not big enough to us personally. Mm. And I was a teenager and I felt like my parents were like, oh, silly, right? I, I swore that when I had kids, I would not dismiss things were, that were important to them in their stage of life. So um, we're respectful about those things. So those are some of our family things. We go do fun things together. We make fun plans together. They're the big rocks in the jar. You know, our family mm-hmm. trips, our, uh, they go work with me some. Kids will go on different business trips with me. Just part of who we are and what we do. I'll be at the dinner table with my crew in about four hours, and we're <laughs> going to do win before wine. When, or cheers before challenges, right? Cheers if before challenges. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, Just I depends can... on, your, on your family. Yeah. <laughs> Well, three is mental, just the mental side of your life, keeping yourself sharp on target, getting more sleep than you have recently. I understand that. But what do you do, the daily habits for the mental side of you? Yeah, so that's a a focus in our family right now. My mother-in-law is dealing with progressive Alzheimer's, Mm -hmm. and we've had several members of the family deal with that. Um, And also because of my work and what I do, I, I feel like that's, my brain is my biggest asset, I would hope. And so I have to keep it sharp. So we eat for our brains. We found when we were eating to be healthier, it also affected our clarity and our, our mental acuity. Mm-hmm. And so, see, I wouldn't even have said mental acuity unless I had salmon at lunch. I, there I, you go. It um, off well. <laughs> acuity. Aaron, make sure I put that in the book. So, so those kind of things... We, we eat for mental clarity. I am usually very good about making sure I sleep well. This week has been kind of a scheduling beast, and I did it on purpose so that I could cram some things together and be done by a certain deadline so that then I could have a big space with my kids of no obligations. Um, so I did it on purpose, but I am suffering these couple of days. I'm having a hard time finishing some sentences. I know you guys can't tell because I'm talking so much. But believe it or not, I'm not feeling my sharpest right now. I've also discovered that like the night before a speech, I have to have about seven hours of sleep or I get a little foggy on stage. Now, probably the audience can't tell, but I can tell. I get a little, I have a hard time reining my emotions in um, and, and I'm, I don't feel as on it if I don't have seven hours of sleep. And I know that seems random, 
But after all my speeches, I now have a number. If it's less than this, I noticed I was off. If it was more than this, it wasn't really necessary, right? But seven hours is kind of my go-to when I'm on the road and I'm given a big keynote. Um, so those are some things like water. I, I've noticed that sodas make me fuzzy. Um, they also make me make my, like I have reactions to sodas and stuff now. So it just kind of bugs me. My joints swell up, my gums bleed. Like Diet Coke affects me that way now. If I have a Diet Coke, I pay for it immediately. And then I have, you know, some brain fog. When I eat carbs or things that trigger in me, I'm foggy. I'm, I almost have to go nap it out, sleep it off. It's like hang, food hangover, yeah. basically, is what it is. So um, those are some things. Okay, friends, we've got some really great spokes and habits from Carrie that are going to be shared here next. Again, connect with Carrie at Carrie, C-A-R-R-I-E, Wilkerson, W-I-L-K-E-R-S-O-N.com to get all she has to offer you. And it is significant. Want to thank a couple sponsors who helped bring us today's show. Financial. And this one, I know you have had some good success here. And so this can be some of the habits that you do today, but it may be the habits that you employed early on that got you to the place of financial success. Financial habits. Somebody on Twitter the other day, I loved it. They summed it up to, if you can't afford it, don't buy it. (laughs) If you don't understand the contract for the financing, don't sign it. Um, if yours isn't broken, don't replace it. And I kind of like that. I mean, and I know that sounds super basic, but why do we keep upgrading? You know, upgrade is like a disease we have. We've, we've got to stop. But we, um, I would say our biggest financial habit now beyond what it used to be is that we're very intentional with our money. We're very intentional, meaning, yes, we probably still eat out Uh, I know we eat out more than we did when we were paying off debt, but it's an intentional eating out. It's because, oh, well, she's got practice here and she's got volleyball here. So let's make that date night. You have your date night with her here and I'll have my date night with her here. And that'll be something special we do. Let's budget for that, right? So it's intentional money. It's intentional spends that we have. So those are some financial habits. The other thing is don't spend in speculation, (laughs) Now, for entrepreneurs, this is so easy to do. I'm going to invest in this now because it's going to pay off for here. Now, I'm not saying don't buy the podcasting mic if you're starting a podcast. But be smart about what you're investing in. And don't overspend or don't say, oh, I'm going to invest $5,000 in this media because then it'll make me 20 and then I'll be able to afford my bills, right? We still have to be able to pay our bills. Make smart decisions, be wise. I love the Andy Stanley question. He said, you know, it really all kind of boils down to when we're making stewardship decisions. Is this wise? Is this wise? Is this smart? Um, Stop thinking you need to compensate with your kids with stuff and toys and upgrades and new phones and the latest this and the latest that. Really, your kids want you first and foremost, experience second, and the rest is stuff we train them on. We've trained them to want those things. And so you can, the good news is you can retrain them, right? We can untrain them in so many ways. So I would say stop compensating with your kids with dollars um, and, and do start teaching your kids. It's never too early. And it's also never too late to start teaching your kids wise 
money habits. Be a student of money. Be smart about it. There you go. All our Dave Ramsey fans are cheering right yeah, now. You so, all right. Next spoke number five is spiritual. How about the spiritual side of your daily habits. We have to quit making that the last rock in the jar. Mm. You know, it, I think one of the healthiest habits about food is changing your mindset from being a foodie to, to fueling yourself wisely, right? Food to fuel. Mm-hmm. And I think our spiritual lives are the same way. You know, it's the necessary fuel. If, if we don't have relationship, we are not in the word. If we are not in relationship, in discussion with the Lord, not just when we need things, but because we need to hear from him, just period. Um, then I, I think we see it suffer in other areas. And it's just like the friends that you don't talk to, um, but a couple of times a year and you wonder why you're not closer to them than you are. Well, it's because you're not talking to them on a regular basis. You're not in, in community with them. We've talked about community before. So I think we have to be in community with the Lord. And we have to not just be talking at him, but we have to be listening. We have to be reading. And then I will say, this is something I talked about on the Dr. Dobson show, something I feel very, very strongly about right now. We have turned over our spiritual growth and our Bible learning to Bible celebrities. And we have so embraced the bumper sticker Bible culture, the beyond what we can ask or imagine. I'm going to embrace that because God promised that. Well, let's back it up a minute. First of all, Paul said that. And he said to the church, I'm going to be praying for you that you receive more than you can ask or imagine. That is not God's promise that he's going to give you more than you ask or imagine. We have to get straight to our Bible and quit relying on everybody else to interpret it for us. Love Beth Moore, love some of our strong heroes of the faith, but I can't rely on them to feed me that. And we've gotten lazy and complacent. We've got to quit signing up for more and more and more Bible studies and get into the Bible. Stop watching the videos, get into the Bible, study it. And then Beth will say, stop studying the Bible and go do it. And she doesn't, don't write ugly letters. That doesn't mean don't study your Bible. That means go put it into action. So we have to read, we have to listen, and we have to do. We make that last or we make that incidental, or if we think listening to a spiritual podcast is enough spiritual food for us, or quoting some bumper sticker Bible, or saying, amen, I saw that on Facebook. It must be biblical. Mm-mm. Y'all stop that mess. We've got to have relationship. You, you wouldn't build an engagement relationship or a romantic relationship third party right? You would spend time with that person. I think we have to get back into a relationship. It takes me to the scripture where God himself says, okay, time to quit praying. Go do it. Go do it. Go do it. Go do it. All and, right. and, and, and T.D. Jake said this recently. So I hate to quote a celebrity, but I love this recently. He said, you know, so many Christians right now are praying for tables, praying for chairs, praying for houses. When the fact is God's saying, I made trees. Some of it I'm leaving up to you. I'll take that one. I own a wood mill. Okay? I'm, I'm on that. I love it. Stop praying. I'm not in the table business. I grew the trees. Your turn. Right, there we go. There's the climax of the show right there. All right. Next one, career and business. Again, obviously, this is not only one that you have had success and you have spent your, uh, devoted a lot of your life to leading 
thousands, tens of thousands of people to their own career and business success. So asking you uh, about some habits there is like asking you for one of the books that you have already, but your own habits that either you use to strengthen your business today, you know, and or the ones that you use to get yourself to the level of success you have today in your career, in your business. Yeah. So I think first and foremost, and now admittedly, I always know when I slip out of these habits because it's when things start to pile up. But I think first and foremost, in your business, in your side hustle, in your career, in your job, you have to say, what is my motive? What is my ultimate motive? I call that the motive matrix. It's a, it's a whole drill down we do. But what is my motive right now? Is it just simply cash? And for most people, the answer is no. We don't do what we do just for the money. We do what we do because of the greater good or because we want to adopt or because we want to have options for our kids or because we want to provide clean water or we want to um, sustain the Ziegler legacy or whatever that looks like. For me, I wanted to be at home because I had adopted two children that needed some continuity for the first time in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was my first reason why that was my drill down. Now, I did have bills that needed to be paid, but I wasn't working for the money. There's a difference. The money enabled me to be present for those kids. It evolved later to freeing my husband up to make some choices. It evolved later again to paying off some debt. It evolved later again to being home with all four of the kids. You know, it will evolve. It will change. But the fact is you have to drill down. What is my motive for doing what I'm doing. And if that's my motive, okay, then what do I do today? What are my habits today to make sure I'm working on the most important thing? What's the most important thing? Not the urgent, not what I want right this minute. And you and I have talked about that before. We're giving up what we want most for what we want right now. You know, what I want most is to finish my book. What I want right now is to watch, you know, Downton Abbey. Whatever. Never even seen it. Cold art for me. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. You know, um, So that being said, we have to say, what is my motive and what's the most important thing I can do right now? If I only get to do this one thing today, what do I have to knock out in order to make progress? Make the main thing the main thing, right? That those are some habits. The other thing is you have to, when you're working, be working. When you're with your family, be with your family. Multitasking is a myth by and large. And we feel so pulled when we're in both places because we're not fully present in either place. So if we can compartmentalize and segment our time, which is a discipline because mm-hmm. we want to be on Facebook while we're also recording something or whatever um, that pulls us. And then we're not productive and we spend a whole day reacting instead of being proactive. All right. Last one personal. And this is what you do for you. Now, all these things you do for you, but maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's fun. Maybe it's a thing that just fills me, I love to do trail running or maybe it's watch a great movie or uh, that thing that's joy. Yeah, we, um, we are Broadway people. We're ah. show people. We're musical theater people. I say a lot. We don't have any vices but good seats. <laughs> I like it. So any excuse that I can make to go see some musical theater, whether my kids are in it or whether they're with me, Um, and I can't say this publicly in case they're listening. I know they're not listening, but like at Christmas, they get adventures. Now my kids primarily get three things, something to read, something to play with and an adventure, an age appropriate adventure. And, um, and I, I'm not going to lie. Several of them usually revolve around musical theater and they're pretty amazing. I'm as excited about them as them because I usually get to go. 
So I would say that's that's what I love. When and when I travel on business, I look to see what's playing where I am. So that's that's probably and that you know I was a music major in college, and I always thought I would be a singer. So that's the story of my life. I thought I was going to be a singer. I always knew I'd be on stage, but I thought it would be musical. But um, the Lord took that dream. You know, I I saw quickly. I didn't have the killer instinct for that, and um, I had more of a gift with words actually. But my they're so musical, but my husband's musical too. So, um, I, I think it's just a great outlet for all of us. We all love it. We all play instruments. We all sing, but we love to go watch the production of that. It really feeds us. We, we have a lot of it going on all the time. Well, I am grateful <laughs> for one that the stage you claimed was the one you have so that we could benefit. Thank you for letting us go behind the scenes with you today and sharing your gift with us, Carrie. Thanks so much, Kevin. Great. You know, that's what my wife that's what her she i knew would, she danced uh danced sang and acted so stage okay. was her i think we've talked about that we had up in nashville because she got a contract in Opry. oh wow she was heading to and ruined all that and now she has 800 children Seventy. you have seven oh we have seven, seven. By birth and then the two so nine okay but, um, I'm trying to think our, my, one of my old pastors, he was more present in the child's life than the dad was. And I want to say she called him, I think she called him dad, dad. And it, and she still does. She's 15 now. She calls him dad. And it's actually kind of cute. I really like it. And somebody, oh, oh, Tony Evans' daughter, Crystal Hurst, Crystal Evans Hurst, not Priscilla, the other. She posted on Instagram the other day. She was taking two daddy, two daddy lunch. It's her grandfather. It's I don't know if it's Tony's father or if it's her mom's father, but she calls him two daddy. They call him because he was the daddy of the dead. So they named him two daddy. <laughs> That's the cutest. I like it. I love it. See, I love the funky names like that. We're gonna be Grammy and Pops because I always wanted a Grammy. The only way I'm ever going to win one, right? Well, there you go, folks. Carrie is a real person who just had the desire and did the work. Again, you can connect with her at Carrie Wilkerson, C-A-R-R-I-E-W-I-L-K-E-R-S-O-N.com. Coming up next in show 521, we listen to a short message from Zig Ziglar on finding your full potential, growing your full potential. From that, I asked my Facebook page at Agent K Miller, what is a skill, ability, or talent you have that you've worked hard to increase and grow? The comments were significant and pointed to some truths about having potential, but it's nothing until we grow and refine it. And having natural skill or ability does not mean mastery will be easy. Uh, It will just be possible. Let me tell you about a great sponsor of this show. All right, till next time, friends. Thanks for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.